This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us, and when I say very special, uh, not only is he an incredible minister of the gospel, I believe that he is an incredible individual. Uh, He's actually from the main area, the main district, so I'm very excited because that's where I'm from. Uh, Brother uh, Stevens, why don't you just tell our listeners a bit about yourself? Well, thank you so much, Brother Brandon. I appreciate the opportunity to be on uh, your podcast today. It is uh, it's a, truly an honor. I know that uh, God has given you some fantastic connections, and you've had some some uh, really powerful apostolic ministry on here. So it's just it's just an honor to be here, and I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak to your listeners from my heart. Uh, my name is Caleb Stevens, and born and raised in the state of Maine. Uh, my dad came to Maine when he was uh, a young man from Kansas City originally. Uh, met my mom at a youth convention here, came to the Lord in Maine. Uh, God called him to the ministry, met my mother uh, in uh, at a youth convention in Augusta, and um, they were married not long after. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, so born and raised here, and, and um, I'm grateful for the heritage. I, I came up under uh, Bishop Rick Stoops' ministry, and he been has been my pastor for uh, all of my life up until last year, um, when we left the state of Maine uh, to pursue the the will of God as He was calling us to the state of Texas. So, currently we are um, just outside of Austin. Uh, we live in a town called Georgetown, Texas, uh, but we're assisting uh, Melvin and Lisa Reddy at the Sanctuary Church in Cedar Park, Texas. Um, and God is doing great things. I'm, I'm excited about, uh, the kingdom work that we're involved in. And, um, it's, uh, I, I have, a, I have a heritage with a, with a dad that, um, was a minister of the gospel. Uh, I didn't always, didn't always appreciate it. Uh, I didn't always want what he had. I didn't always pursue that, um, as a young, as a teenager, um, I had, uh, really at 14 years old, uh, the Lord called me to the ministry, uh, very undeniably, um, I, 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 it was obvious and knew, knew what God was calling me to. And, um, and I knew what my dad was. I said yes in the moment. Um, and then for, um, several years back and forth, kind of running from the call and coming back to it and running from it, coming back to it. Um, but really, uh, at the age of 17, 18, really fully embraced, um, the call of God and, and haven't, haven't looked back. And, um, I'm now 40 years old. I'll be 41 next month. And, um, I can truly say that, uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to follow the call of God. There's nothing else like it in the world. Um, but to know that, that his hand is upon my life, it's a, it's an honor, uh, that he would consider me worthy, although I'm, I'm so far from worthy, um, to, to carry his name, but, um, there's no, there's no greater fulfillment in the world than to, uh, answer the call of God. And I'm grateful, uh, 
to be a part of the kingdom today. Uh, just recently, we were in, um, had my first opportunity to go to Because of the Times uh, in Alexandria, Louisiana this, this past January. And um, it, was, it was everything that we had hoped and dreamed it would be. God just uh, did some extraordinary things in our lives that uh, few days that we were there. Uh, and, and while we were there, I, I actually had a bit of a, um, a realization. They, they invited all the young ministers to come forward. And then they added, at the end of that, those ministers 35 and under. <laughs> and for the first time in my life, I realized I'm no longer a young minister. <laughs> and uh, it was, um, that was just a funny thing that we all laughed about afterwards. But um, I really, during that week, um, I had just a, a deep encounter with the Lord and, and, and just, um, you have those moments that are landmark moments where you can, look back to and say that I truly met with God. Yeah. Uh, and that was a pivotal moment in, in my life. And so that was, that was what, uh, that week was for me where I, I said, I said to the Lord, I, I, here I am 40 years old now, literally half of my life is gone. And I know that I have not even scratched the surface of what God intended when he called me and it was during one of those just um consecration moments at the altar where i just said god the next 40 years i want these next 40 years to count like nothing else i i've given you a portion of these last previous 40 years but the next 40 years i don't want to withhold anything i want to be a hundred percent yours all in for the sake of your kingdom and the gospel and the salvation of the lost. And so, um, I, that's a little bit of my story. I'm married to my, uh, Bible college, sweetheart. We'll be married 20 years in uh, October. We have four children. Uh, my son, Josiah will graduate this year. He is 18 and he will be going to Urshan college, um, this coming year. And then we have Isabella, who's 13, uh, Eliana, who's six, and Adeline, who's four. So uh, we've got a full house and a, a, a long way to go before we're empty nesters. But <laughs> that's a little bit of my story. Amen. That's tremendous. You know, and so when you were talking about, I just feel like we have a lot of people in the apostolic movement that are just completely missing their callings. They feel like they're where they're supposed to be, but they're mm -hmm. not fully acting in those roles. They're not really, right. they're barely scratching the surface of what we have in the kingdom of God. So, and I know you're passionate about that, and I can feel it as you're talking about it. Man, I felt the Holy Ghost while you was, I was like, man, he's getting ready to preach right now. I was like, but... Why, why don't we just go ahead and we'll just we'll just get right into it? Absolutely, thank you uh, again for the invitation and, and uh, the Lord has has definitely been laying something on my heart as as you reached out to me and asked me to 
uh, be on your podcast. I, I went to prayer and asked the Lord for some direction, and I feel like he's given me uh, direction. It's something that, that I'm passionate about, that I'm passionately pursuing myself. Um, and the subject has to do with apostolic or kingdom authority um, and, and the anointing that, that really facilitates that. Um, I believe that for, for many of us, um, I dare say most of us, including myself, we are walking far below what God fully has called us to. Um, I know for the majority of my life, I, 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 I dabbled in ministry. I, I, I was not, I was in, but, but I wasn't giving it everything. Um, I know that as I talk about this, that as we, as we look at this subject, the vast majority of apostolics are operating far below the apostolic standard, far below the power that Jesus said we would have when we would receive the Holy Ghost. Um, you and I and children of, of the Most High God were called to be ambassadors of His Majesty Jesus Christ and represent Him in every situation we find ourselves in. Jesus Christ, as he was walking on the earth in his three and a half years of ministry, it was said of him that he spoke with authority. The people recognized it. The religious leaders recognized it. Everyone that was in his presence recognized that when he spoke, he didn't just speak out of memory. He didn't just speak out of uh, his own uh, philosophy, but he was speaking with authority. And it was unlike anything else that had happened, unlike any of the other religious leaders of the day. And so um, we find later on, after he's ascended into heaven, that the, the apostles, um, Peter and John, have, have just walked by the gate beautiful and, and said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They, uh, by the power of God, they healed this man. And um, they... It was said of them at this moment, as they began to preach and declare what had happened, that it was by Jesus Christ and his name that this man was healed. As they began to preach that it was, it was said of them, these unlearned, ignorant men, these, these obviously not trained at the high level of, of, of rabbinical priesthood, but they were speaking with authority, and the people took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. Uh, they, they were preaching with authority, and the Bible says that the Lord was confirming the word with signs following. Um, that's what the church is supposed to look like. And if we, if we take a look and notice that this happened out in the street, this wasn't in a comfortable church service. This was outside the building. Out, they didn't even have buildings at this point. They just had everywhere they went. They were ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Jesus left and left 11 Jesuses walking around on the streets. He, he removed himself, but he said, greater things than these shall you do, because I go to my father. So he, he, he went. And now we have 11 
people doing what he was doing. Preaching, teaching, healing the sick, raising the dead, performing miracles, preaching with power and authority. And too often in our civilized Christian lifestyle, what we're doing is happening in our church buildings, behind closed doors, with a handful of people being able to see it. I believe that is one of the reasons that we see so little of it. I believe that um, authority is directly correlated to relationship. It's directly correlated to relationship. The, The religious leaders, the people, took knowledge that the apostles had been with Jesus. Right. Yeah. Not that they just sounded like him, not that they just had, uh, you know, they were imitating him, but they had been with him. They were carrying his essence. And so while they were speaking, when, when Jesus spoke, he had spoken as one that had authority and not as the scribes and Pharisees. So when they heard Peter and John speaking and the miracles that were performed by them, it was obvious to everybody that they'd been with him. The the connection of the authority was directly linked to relationship with Jesus. I want the world to be able to tell, not just that we're religious, not just that we're Christians, not just by the way we look and dress and act, but there is something else. His essence is flowing through us. When we speak, things begin to happen and lives are quickened by the power of the spirit. We have been with Jesus. I want that to be said of me. I, we want that. We need that to be said of us. Jesus said in Matthew 28 and 18, uh, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he says, go. The very next command is go baptize and teach. And I'm with you always. I've got all the power. All you need to do is go preach and teach and baptize and I'll be with you. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Mark 16, 17. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. So after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following Amen. That's what it is supposed to look like. He said, this is what you do. They went and did it. The Lord working with them. Jesus said, I'm going to just share some scripture that that I I feel like is building this case that we we need to understand. It is a kingdom biblical principle for us to operate in this manner. Jesus said, verily, I say unto you that he that believeth on me. The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And Daniel 11 said, the people that do know their God shall do exploits, be strong and do exploits. Haggai 2 and 9 said, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace. So I, I, I want us to get the picture of the task ahead of us. 
I'm not sure what the global population was at the time of the apostles, but it was said of them that they turned the world upside down. Right. We have an even greater task. Now, there's, there's a lot more of us. So multiply. One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. We should be able to do ex- exponentially more, right? But the global population, we're sitting at just under 8 billion people, 7.9 billion people on this earth. And to put some of this in perspective, according to the current mortality rates, there will be 60 million, 40,000 people that will die this year alone. And then next year, another 60 plus million people will die. And the year after that, and the year after that, To break it down even further, that's 164,493 people that will die today. Today. And tomorrow, another 164,493 people will die. And the day after that, and the day after that. The task before us is monumental. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. The apostolic church is living so far below its potential, and it's a tragedy. People are dying on their way to a devil's hell without hearing this message, without knowing, without having access to the gospel. We are, we are tragically far beneath where we should be in impacting this world. I, I don't know about you, but what that does to me it, it it ignites something in my spirit that says god i don't know what to do with numbers like that I, my feeble efforts are they really making a difference are the apostolic church at large our feeble efforts really making a difference and and i can say no not on our own they are not but the word of god declares it's not by might And it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Talent, gifting, charisma, that'll only go so far, but it won't get the job done. Brother Brandon, I I watched when I was a young, young minister, just coming out of Bible college in my early 20s. I watched a whole generation of brilliant talented, charismatic, and naturally gifted men of God. Seven to ten years older than me. So I was early 20s. They would have been around 30. They were... I felt I looked up to them. I felt they were so much further along. They had they had more to offer. They were talented. It just, just, just blowing my feeble, you know, struggling, weak legs as, as I'm figuring out how to try to follow the will of God. and You know, kind of like that, that newborn calf that's just wobbling around. I, was, I felt like that. And, and, and these guys had it together. I looked up to them, admired their, their ministries. And I watched them lose out and walk away from this apostolic high road. From this apostolic highway of holiness and truth 
And as a young man, I, I had, because I esteemed them so highly, I was crushed when this happened. Um, I, I spent some time in prayer about it and considering considerable time contemplating what had happened. How could this happen? Why and what in the world had gone on? What had gone wrong? And, and I believe that God gave me an answer to, to some of this. There's probably more to it, but there are three distinct things that I feel like um, as people who are beginning to move uh, and, and, and receive this word that, that we are to walk in apostolic ministry, The number one thing that I, I, I would say that probably killed their, their ministries and walk with God is, is they didn't have a love for the truth. I think that had to be uh, number one. Number two, they disdained or at least did not respect the elders and spiritual ministry, spiritual authority in their life. They were smarter. They knew better. They um, were had better ideas than these old, crusty pioneers. And then, probably the thing that finished it off was that they came to rely more on their natural talents and giftings than upon the anointing. In fact, one of them told me, he said, I was traveling all over the country. I was preaching conventions and camp meetings. And, and he said, I had no relationship with God. I wasn't praying at all. He had figured out how to move a crowd. He had figured out how to say the right things and act the right way and do the go through the right motions and was getting some results because God will honor the hunger of the people, even though the minister might be out of line. And there were people at those meetings that were going to God in prayer and, and, and there was things happening, but these guys lost out in the process. They lost connection with their relationship with God. They began to rely upon their talents and giftings and charisma rather than the anointing. And as I was praying about this years ago and really mourning the loss of these guys that I had truly looked up to, I, I felt the Spirit put these words in my spirit. And he said to, my, to me, as, as I was still in that vulnerable place, he said, there is no substitute for the anointing. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. There is no substitute for the anointing of God. There is no substitute for the power of the Holy Ghost. There's no substitute for that divine hand of God as he comes and rests upon a vessel that he desires to use. There's no substitute for the anointing. So, no, we cannot as our own, on our own, in our own natural abilities, reach this world. But when we partner with the Spirit of God and begin to pray for holy boldness and begin to step out with apostolic authority, we are more 
than up to the task. I believe that we are stepping into a new dimension of apostolic uh, uh, revival, like unlike anything we've ever seen. New days of Pentecost will be happening all around us. I believe that we, I, I know that we can't do it with enticing words of man's wisdom, but we must have a demonstration of the spirit and power of God. Jesus said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church that he is building. And, and as I, I've heard this scripture all my life, and I remember growing up, I always thought about gates. The gate, gates are a defensive posture. So when it says the gates of hell shall not prevail, I, I was I actually when I when I think about when I would think about prevailing, I was thinking that that hell was on the offensive, and the hell would not prevail. But it's actually the opposite. The gates are defending the onslaught of the kingdom of God as we bombard the gates of hell, as we reach for people and pull them from the flames, the gates shall not prevail against the church of the living God as we are on the offensive. It's an offensive position that the church is engaged in. We are bringing an onslaught against the gates of hell, and those gates shall not prevail against the church. God gave his church everything we need to turn our world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like the apostles did in their day. We've got to begin to believe that we can do it with the help of God and pray for boldness, that we can do what they did, that we can do what Jesus did when he was on the earth and go act in his stead, because we are the ones to carry his name in this generation. Begin to speak with authority and operate in God-given uh, anointing and authority in the name of Jesus. The apostles prayed for boldness, and they then they spoke, and they began to act with that boldness that they prayed for. They prayed for it, and then they went assuming that they had received it, and they had. When Peter and John came to that man at the, at the gate beautiful, and they said, they said, look on us as he as he was begging. I, I'm sure he he probably had just gotten to a place of being so down and so depressed. He'd been sitting at that gate for so many years that he just heard people walking by and saw feet shuffling by and he'd stick his cup up at, at alms. Peter and John said, hey, look at us. They wanted him to turn their gaze, his gaze upon them. He said, look at us. And they were operating with a level of a, of a surety that God was going to back them up. They said, look on us, and they expected it to happen. When they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, the man's legs and ankle bones were strengthened, and he got up and walked. The man and women of God for this generation must believe that God will do what he said he would do. We must believe it in order to receive it. So if we can begin to believe it and truly faith uh, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, we begin to speak those things that are not as though they are. And we begin to expect it to happen. I believe that God will back up his people in this generation, just like he did in the first century church. He will do what he said he will do. Timothy exhorted his young protege, Titus. He said, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. And then, of course, the story of, of uh, 
Jesus and the centurion. The Roman centurion came to Jesus and asked for a miracle for, for one of his servants. Jesus said, I'll come to your house. And he said, no, Jesus, I'm not worthy. But he said, I, I, I understand. I understand that if you just speak the word, my servant shall be healed. He said, for I am a man under authority and I have soldiers under me. And I say to them, go and, and he goeth and another come and he cometh. And to my servant, do this and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Jesus said, Go thy way. As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the same self-same hour. Several things here. The faith of the centurion. Jesus said it was your faith that was the catalyst for this miracle. But secondly... The centurion understood authority. He said, because I am under authority, because I am representing the crown that I serve under, and I have his stamp of approval on my life, I have his name that I carry when I walk around. I say to this one, go, and he goes. He has to go. I tell that one to come and he has to come. When we begin to understand the power of submission, the word of God says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. So the power of submission puts ourselves under the umbrella of God's protection and under the umbrella of his, uh, of his lordship so that when we go and speak in his name, it can happen. Those people that remove themselves from spiritual authority, they put themselves in a very vulnerable place because no longer do they have the protection of their spiritual uh, chain of command that they, that they receive their authority through. And so I think it's incredibly important as the people of God that we, we all have uh, spiritual leadership in our lives. Nobody is too old or too experienced to have somebody that can be uh, a, 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 a voice in their life of a man or woman of God. Nobody is exempt from that. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, there's so much more that we can talk about. But I believe if, if we are to operate in apostolic authority, as is the scriptural model, we must do it in humility and in submission to the spiritual authority in our lives. One of the things that is most abundantly clear in Scripture is that, and it's mentioned several times, is that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If it's humility that opens the door to God's unmerited favor, and pride that will keep me at arm's length from God, then God help me to be humble. Help me to be humble. Take any pride out of me that would keep me from receiving your unmerited favor. Somebody once said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Mm. And then, of course, submission to spiritual authority. I believe that in 2022, moving forward, 
that there are some some things that God wants to reactivate in the church that a few have operated in. But in order to reach the world, it can't just be a select few operating in the gifts of the Spirit and the, 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 the five-fold ministry. But the church as a whole needs to rise to the level of ambassadorship for Jesus Christ. I believe that the same angel that appeared to Cornelius is still alive today, and he can do it again. Go send for, go send for Caleb Stevens. Go stand for Brandon Crooker. He's going to show you the way, give you words that you must do. Just like the Lord spoke to Ananias to go to a street called Straight and find a man named Saul. The Lord is still speaking to his church. He's still speaking to people that will listen, that will obey. This can and is still happening, but somebody has to tune in their ear to the voice of the Spirit. We know the story of the wedding of Cana, how Mary said to Jesus, she asked Jesus to save the day. He said, my time hasn't come yet. I, I'm not ready to start doing miracles yet. Mary turned to the servants that were there and said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's the key. Jesus, whatever you say to do, the answer is already yes. Yes, Lord. Whatever you ask of me, wherever you ask me to go, whoever you ask me to speak to, whatever you ask me to say, the answer is already yes. Later, when the disciples had finished, had fished all night and had caught nothing, they're tired and frustrated, and Jesus appears on the shore. He said, hey, I know you guys are, are, uh, are done for the night, or you think you're done, but just throw your net out one more time. Peter said, we've been fishing all night. He said, throw it over on the other side. This doesn't make any sense, Jesus. But that's irrelevant. Just whatever he says to do, do it. It makes no sense, Lord, but nevertheless, at thy word, we will do it. And they throw in the net and came up with the net more than the boat could handle. They had to call in another boat. I believe that there is an end time revival for the church of the living God. That will not be able to contain it in our church buildings. We'll have to begin to ask other other churches to can we use your buildings? Can can we, we it won't house what we have currently positioned ourselves for? We are not ready to receive what God wants to give us. There is such an abundance of fish that can happen in a moment. All of our feeble efforts might be frustrated. You somebody listening to this might feel frustrated and and tired of all the labor that's involved in ministry and doing the work of God. But when he says, throw it in one more time, get ready. Just at his word, do what he said to do. Go ahead and speak again. Go ahead and preach again. Go ahead and prophesy again. Go ahead and pray again. Speak to the wind again. Do it again. Throw the net in one more time. There's going to be a harvest. I believe we are ready. That God is ready to give the apostolic church an end time harvest that would blow our minds. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for billions to be saved. We're seeing 60 million people a year die. God, let us reach at least that many annually with the gospel. 
Hallelujah. 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 I feel the Holy Ghost, Brother Brandon. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And I want to just pray as I, I'm, I'm done. I just want to pray for whoever's going to be listening to this podcast, that the Spirit of God would begin to touch their lives and that they would catch a, a new vision, catch a new revelation of what Hallelujah. God wants to do with them. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the apostolic example that you've displayed in Scripture. I pray, Lord God, that your hand would come come down upon your people. All of those that would listen to this podcast, that, that you would begin to position us, oh Lord God, in a posture of humility, in a posture, Lord Jesus, God of submission. And as you raise us up, Lord God, I pray. Pray that we would go in apostolic authority, that we would go in apostolic boldness, that we would go and lay hands upon the sick and that they shall recover. I pray that we would go and preach the gospel. Lord Jesus, at your word we will go. And now in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for a holy boldness. I pray for a holy anointing to come upon your people. A holy vision, Jesus. God, to begin to believe you, to begin to believe you to do what you said that you would do. Hallelujah. At thy word, oh God, we will go. I pray that you would dispatch angels just like you did to Cornelius. Lord God, all throughout our cities and our communities, people whose hearts are prepared to receive the gospel. I pray that there would be divine appointments, that you would set us up for a massive end time revival, that your great harvest would come forth. Hallelujah. It's not your will that any should perish. So use us, oh God. God, expand our efforts. Our feeble efforts can't do it. But with God, all things are possible. In the name of Jesus Christ. Have your way, O oh God. Use us for your glory. We believe you for great and mighty things in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Stevens, I just don't know that there's anything else to say. I'm going to leave this podcast and pray some more. This is this is tremendous. This is this is timely. And I felt the Holy Ghost this whole time that you've been talking. It's just, this is, somebody's life is going to be transformed. Jesus. When they hear this episode, they're just gonna it's gonna take oh, them to another dimension. And I'm so excited about what God's gonna do. Jesus. We're so thankful that you joined us on Apostolic Theory. Truly my honor and pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Bless you in Jesus' name, my friend. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.